Pittsburgh Steelers fans, what's going on? This is Jeff Harper, Senior Editor of BehindTheSteelCurtain.com. I am so excited for today's podcast, at least the first half. If you follow me on Twitter, I shared that today could be a very special podcast. It is. The interview came through. I was able to interview one Tony Pauline of the Pro Football Network. If you follow the NFL Draft, if you follow NFL Draft Insiders, who knows what's going on in terms of visits, rumors, all that stuff. That's the guy. He is one of those guys, and I have him on right here in this podcast in the first half. The second half, as always, I am going to dive into the mailbag segment, going to answer all of your questions. Before we get to that, I have to remind everyone, and I haven't said this. I was supposed to say it on Monday. I totally forgot. We, as a Behind the Steel Curtain uh, podcast network, are giving away Two free tickets to the Steelers draft party at Heinz Field on Saturday, April 30th. It starts at 11 a.m. Eastern time. Now, remember, activities for this, we've done this before. This is the first time since 2019 they've done this, but activities include appearances by Steelers legends. They give you locker room access to see what the players do before the games, face painting, pass catching, kicking on the field, all that stuff. They have uh, youth flag football games on the field, photo opportunities with the Lombardi trophies. You can... It's a lot of stuff. It looks like it's a lot of fun. Of course, the NFL draft, which will still be going on on Saturday, will be on the big screen. Recent draft picks have made it uh, to the event. Here's what you have to do. Today, Wednesday, tomorrow, Thursday, and Friday, during the morning and noon podcasts, there will be a clue given about a player for the Pittsburgh Steelers. So, in case you don't know, that's today's Let's Ride that's the War Room with Matty Peverell on Wednesday. That's the Stat Geek with Dave Schofield Thursday morning. What Yin's talking about on Thursday at noon. My Let's Ride on Friday. And then the Here We Go Steelers show on Friday at noon. You need to listen to all of these shows. Every single clue will be gathering the player's jersey number. That's it. Just their jersey number. After you compile all six numbers, you have to email me your answer at BNG Blitz. I'll say that again. BNG Blitz. B L I T Z at gmail.com with your answer. The first correct answer will win the tickets. Now, don't email each answer individually. Get them all together, all six of them, at the end. Then you send them in. Now, we've done giveaways before. There's no hidden message this time. It's just random jersey numbers. There are some requirements that you have to follow, though. Number one, You have to use the tickets. Please don't enter and leave the tickets unclaimed. That's just a waste. If if you're going to do this, you got to be able to go. That's number one. Second, you have to find Big Bro Sco. That's right. Big Bro Rich Schofield is going to be at the event. You got to find him. You can probably reach out to him on Twitter, something like that. Get a quick photo and then basically just have fun with this contest. So if you missed a previous clue, make sure you go back and listen to the show it's always going to be at a different part of the show. I'm doing mine right away. Some might do it later. Some might do it right before the midway point of their podcast. It's up to them. Here is the Wednesday clue. Here we go. The jersey number of the Steelers starting Pro Bowl Center in 1962. I'll say that again. The jersey number of the Steelers starting Pro Bowl Center 
1962. There is your clue, the first clue, and maybe you get those two tickets. All right. It's time for my interview with Tony Pauline. It happened on Monday. I'm excited for you to listen to it. And in the second half of this podcast, we will be back for the mailbag segment. Here we go. All right, Pittsburgh Steelers fans, I am extremely excited to have Tony Pauline of Pro Football Network on this Let's Ride podcast on Wednesday. Tony, welcome to the show. How are you? I'm okay. Thanks for having me. No problem. I I have a couple general NFL draft questions first, and then we're going to finish up with some Steelers stuff. The first one is in in regards to the college game. The the college game is definitely bleeding its way into the National Football League. It's kind of expected, and you're not seeing full-blown air raid offenses, but still it is bleeding its way into the NFL. Do you think this makes it easier or more difficult to kind of match prospects to teams and what they like to do on either side of the football? Well, you know, it depends Uh, position by position. I think in a lot of ways it makes it more difficult to – uh, to scout some of the cornerbacks and some of the receivers because a lot of these receivers just run go routes. They're not very good route runners. They're not very good route runners. And sometimes, you know, you have to, uh, you, you got to decide whether these guys are going to be able to, to run routes at the next level because it's very easy to, uh, to win out for the contested throw on the college level. I think with the offensive lineman, it depends on what your system is. I, I mean, you, it, sometimes it's kind of tough to pinpoint the uh, the athletic zone blockers because a lot of these guys consistently stay in on the line of scrimmage. So, I, you know, I, I don't think it's easier. I, I think in some of these wide-open college systems, some of the players are asked to do less or at least perform fewer NFL-type techniques that they're going to have to do on Sunday, which makes it a little more difficult. Would you say cornerback would fall into that position that is more difficult to gauge as to whether they can translate to the NFL? Hands down. No doubt about it. I mean, you watch cornerbacks these days in the, on the college level, you know, they don't backpedal, they side shuffle, yeah. they're very late flipping their hips in transition. You know, a, a lot of them play the, the, the receiver's hands. They don't uh, get their head back around to make play to track the ball in the air and position themselves uh, those guys that do that, the Derek Stingley's of the world, the Ahmad Gardner's, the Roger McCreary's, I mean, they are way ahead of the curve as to uh, when they're going to transition uh, to Sunday football. I want to ask you about the quarterback class. And, and this has been, as a Pittsburgh Steelers fan and a website that covers the Steelers, clearly they are a team that is in need and they're probably going to end up drafting a quarterback at some point. We'll get to that in a little bit, but the class as a whole, it literally depends on who you talk to, who you read, who you listen to, and how they rank this, um, this incoming class. Some would say that, if they, for instance, all these quarterbacks that are being talked about this year, if they were in last year's class, none of them would go on day one. Whereas other people say there's still really good talent here. I want to ask you what your thoughts are on this draft class of the quarterbacks. Well, I think, first of all, overall quarterbacks have been ridiculously overdrafted the past 15 to 20 years. I mean, we've consistently seen quarterbacks selected a half a round, almost a full round earlier than they should go. I mean, still remains to be seen whether Trey Lance was worth the third pick of the draft. Heck, we don't even know that Zach Wilson was worth the second (laughs) pick of the draft. You're right. Yeah. Um, So you have to keep that in the back of your mind. Uh, As far as this year's class. I think maybe Malik Willis would have had a chance to be a first round pick, but I would agree. I mean, it's a situation where it's almost feast or famine. 
uh, Malik Willis being the perfect example. I mean, he's the guy that has a tremendous amount of upside, but he's got an equal amount of downside uh, uh, risk to him. He could be an outstanding franchise type quarterback, or he could be someone who never pans out and hops from franchise to franchise, you know, with Kenny Pickett. Kenny Pickett is a quarterback that's on the upswing, which is what I like. I like to get those quarterbacks that are coming off of great seasons. He's got small hands. You wonder if he's got scheme limitations. You wonder if he's a true, you know, carry your offense type of quarterback, a la Ben Roethlisberger, or is he game manager? You know, Matt Corral played in that Lane Kiffin system. I happen to like Matt Corral. I need. I think he needs to clean up his downfield accuracy. But how long before Matt Corral is NFL ready? Desmond Ritter, I know he's got all the physical skills, won a lot of games on the college level. Uh, he's a guy who gets it between the ears, but his accuracy leaves a lot to develop if you watch the Cincinnati film. So I think all these quarterbacks have holes in their games. And when you factor in that there was some outstanding defensive talent at the top of this year's draft, and there were some sta- outstanding offensive tackles, I think the, quarter- the quarterbacks are justifiably getting pushed down. Do you see any of these signal callers being week one starters in 2022? I mean, it depends on the system. If let's say the New Orleans Saints take a guy like Kenny Pickett, uh, I mean, he could potentially be a week one starter. Uh, I, I think it's going to kind of be a stretch, but Kenny Pickett would be the only guy of the group that I see as a potential week one starter. Okay. Next question. In your opinion, which position do you think is the deepest in this draft class? And I'm not just talking about round one, but across the board, like the talent is just so deep at that one position. Is there one position in your opinion that would fit that criteria? I like both the offensive tackle and the receiver class. Again, I mean, we've seen some, you talked earlier about how the college game is creeping into the NFL. And I think we've seen it at the receiver position in the draft. I mean, this is the third year in a row that we're going to have an incredibly deep class of wide receivers. I think you can get good receivers in the fourth and fifth round, not necessarily starters, but number three and number four type guys that can also double as return specialists. So I really like the uh, receiver class, which if you had asked me that in September, I was down on the receiver class, but I think it's turned itself around. I like the offensive tackle class really through the fourth round. I think you're going to be able to get starters, guys who can immediately start. I think you're going to get terrific developmental prospects. Uh, the tight end class, I think, has taken a step back from where we thought it, it was going to be. But still, I mean, you're going to be able to get good tight ends, third, fourth and fifth round guys who could be very good number two tight ends and guys who I think could eventually develop into number one tight ends at the next level in the right system. I want to go back to what you said about the wide receivers. What changed with you? You said if you asked me in September, I would have said I'm not high on this group. And now all of a sudden you're saying that they're really good. What changed in your opinion? I, I think, you know, with guys like Jahan Dotson, guys like Sky Moore coming out of nowhere, mm-hmm. players like Calvin Austin, players like Kevin Austin coming out of nowhere, I think their play really improved. Uh, Wendell Robinson of Kentucky uh, really improved their play. I think when you look at a guy like Khalil Shakir of Boise State, a guy like Jalen Tolbert of uh, South, South Alabama, uh, maybe a George Pickens, uh, these are guys who I believe worked out much faster than anyone expected. They were good receivers. We knew they could catch the ball, but we didn't know they were good athletes. And I think uh, when they showed that speed and, and some of their testing marks at the combine, that also helped improve their, uh, their draft status. Danny Gray, another example. I mean, someone who a lot of people thought was at best a late round pick coming into the season, maybe priority free agent, 
has an outstanding uh, senior year at SMU. Then, you know, runs like the wind during the combine, runs a 4-3-3. So that's a guy that's really improved his draft stock. Let's talk about round one prospects right now. In your opinion, round one prospects, is there any prospect in general that is climbing the charts right now? Like their stock is really rising. Is there anyone that comes to the top of your mind? You're thinking, watch out for this guy. He might not have been mocked and predicted or projected to go where he might go because he's really coming up the boards quick. I think the two obvious candidates would be Trayvon Walker of Georgia and Jermaine Johnson of Florida State. I mean, you know, we talked earlier about the quarterback position before the league went quarterback crazy and before the league started overdrafting quarterbacks. It was that impact defensive player that was highly coveted come draft weekend. And, you know, the guy that could rush the passer and both Trayvon Walker and Jermaine Johnson can do that. Now, Jermaine Johnson at this point in time is a better pass rusher than Trayvon Walker, but Trayvon Walker is a better player. He's got a better NFL frame. So I think those two guys, you know, coming into the process after the season was over, we were talking about those guys as potential late first round picks. And they have now moved into the top half of round one, into the top 10 of round one. And Trayvon Walker could be the first overall selection. So those are the two guys who I think have really risen up charts. And on the flip side of that, are there any prospects that you see or like their, their stock is going down for whatever reason that you're thinking hey, this is a guy that even just two months ago was being mocked or projected to be a top pick. And now all of a sudden they might be a day two pick. I don't see anybody. Well, uh, two guys. I, I don't, I, I think Kyle Hamilton is falling. I don't think he's going to be a day two pick, but I think Kyle Hamilton, the safety from Notre Dame, who a lot of people thought was the could be or was graded as the best player in this draft, was a lock to be a top three pick, uh, could fall out of the top 10. And really? I think the reasons are the fact that I was never very high on Kyle Hamilton. And it's because I never had him in my top 10. First of all, I think Kyle Hamilton is likely be an outside linebacker at the next level. And when you look at that six foot four, 220 pounds, and the fact that he yeah. barely broke four six in the 40. But then you watch the film and, you know, you want those guys at free safety these days that can cover a lot of uh, ground, that can go sideline to sideline, that are ball hawks, that can play over the slot receiver. Kyle Hamilton's not going to be able to do that at the next level. He's more of a, a box safety, a drill peppers type of safety. And while there's value in that type of player at the next level, there's not, they're just not value in the early portion of the draft. The other guy who may fit the bill, uh, as what you mentioned, someone who people were projecting as an early first round pick who may fall out of the first round. That would be Tyler Linderbaum of Iowa. Another guy that I was never very high on. I think people looked at the highlight films, but when you look at Tyler Linderbaum, he's a bit of a smaller guy. He's got arms that are what? 31 and an eighth inch inches long. When you look at him, he was not a big, powerful mauler in the middle of that Iowa offensive line. I tell people, go back and watch the uh, Big Ten title game when Chris Hinton of uh, Michigan just mauled him in the middle of the line. And, and you wonder how a guy like Tyler Lindemann is going to be able to handle the Jordan Davises of the world when they get in, yeah. inside of him. Now, Tyler Lindemann is a real good zone blocker. He's an exceptional guy on his feet. He needs a running start into his blocks. Uh, and again, there's great value uh, for a player like that on Sunday but that type of guy is just not going to go top 25. It's crazy because those are two players that Steeler fans have talked a lot about Hamilton of Notre Dame, obviously Linderbaum of Iowa. Interesting takes there. I want to ask you some Steeler specific questions though. Are you hearing any rumors or any reports out of the Steelers camp of not necessarily, I guess maybe where they're leaning uh, prospects. They really like Are you hearing anything at all. 
Well, literally, since uh, before the combines even started, I said the goal was to sign a, a veteran receiver, and I had named Mitch Trubisky as one of the uh, sorry quarterback, sign a veteran quarterback, and I named Mitch Trubisky as one of the quarterbacks that they liked, and then draft a younger guy like a Malik Willis uh to to develop for the future and i think that would be phenomenal that's a phenomenal strategy if they're able to pull it off because they get someone to fill the gap right now or mitch trubisky for the next two years however long that contract was that they signed him for and then you can develop malik wills you don't have to force feed them into the lineup so if they're able to pull that off i i think that they basically have a sound strategy <laughs> that they hit on uh, assuming, I don't know if Willis is going to be there at 20. They may have to move up a few spots to get him because I'm sure New Orleans uh, is all over Malik Willis. Uh, but that's what that has been very consistent as to what I've heard with the Steelers uh, all along. Maybe I'll know a little bit more next week, but, but that has been it literally for a couple of months now. Does your gut tell you that Willis will require a trade-up from 20 for Pittsburgh? To ensure them, yes, because I think New Orleans, especially when they acquired that second pick, first round pick from the yeah. Indian from the Philadelphia Eagles at number sixteen, I think that uh, that kind of was a, a, a warning sign or, or a red flag if you if you're a uh, if you're in the Steelers front office that yeah New Orleans wants to come out of this first round with a receiver and with a quarterback, and that sixteenth pick gave them that extra ammunition to do so. Speaking of the Steelers organization as a whole. Do you think it's, in your opinion, as someone that is, you know, an insider with the NFL draft, is it easier or more difficult to kind of predict what they do and how things are going with the Steelers organization? They seem to be kind of the old school organization. They, they very, they very much value their draft capital. Do you find that to be something that the Steelers are going to do the Steelers thing, or are they still kind of a wild card in some ways? I think they're a wild card only because their general manager is going to retire after uh, after the draft. And, you know, I'm sure he wants to leave uh, his mark, but the new guys are going to want to come in and have their say as well. So I think in that sense, it's a wild card. And the fact is, is <clears throat> they're a wild card because they've had the luxury of having an outstanding starting quarterback for what the yeah. past prior uh, 15, 16 years, however long Ben Roethlisberger's there now with no sure starter, or, or a guy that you hope can start and turn his career around. And Mitch Trubisky, that always adds an extra layer of wild card to what they're going to do, if you will. I think in past years, you know, you didn't have to worry about the quarterback position, which is huge going into the draft. Now, all of a sudden, it's probably been a need the past couple of years, or just, it's just a need that they overlooked. But now it's a, it's a pressing situation. I want to go back to something that you said earlier uh, in the interview, and you talked about how quarterbacks being overdrafted. And I agree. And the you know, quarterback needy teams are very much needy teams. In your opinion, in the National Football League, do you think that you still need to have an elite level quarterback to go out and win? And is that why teams are doing what they're doing? For instance, the Steelers, if they trade up and waste some of that draft capital that I mentioned that they value so much to get him Malik Willis, is that a it's a risky move, but at the same time, do you still think that's a necessity? I think it is a necessity to have elite level quarterback coaching, elite level offensive coaching, because we have seen, you know, franchises like the Kansas City Chiefs with Andy Reid, like the Philadelphia Eagles with Doug Peterson, maybe now the Philadelphia Eagles, the New England Patriots who just continually find ways to even the Pittsburgh Steelers, although it was yeah. one guy who find ways to mine gold at the, at the quarterback position with new guys or, or just keeping the old guys, you know, keep them going. Then you have franchises 
like the New York Jets, you have franchises like the Cleveland Browns, you know, who are constantly drafting quarterback after quarterback after quarterback that fall flat on their face. Now, you know, at what point in time do you say, well, the team's drafting the wrong type of player or the wrong type of quarterback versus, well, the team just does not have the infrastructure in place, you know, to develop these types of quarterbacks. How does a Bill Belichick take a Mac Jones, you know, the, the franchise looks like it's on its way down. Bill Belichick takes a Mac Jones and when the franchise looks like it's in a downward spiral, they make the playoffs with a Mac Jones. You know, how, yeah. how does a Doug Peterson grab a Nick Foles off the scrap heap and win the Super Bowl? And the converse of that is how does a franchise like the New York Jets, you know, they think they got their franchise quarterback and Mark Sanchez goes nowhere. Fans are excited when they draft Sam Darnold. You know, a guy is going to be the next Joe Namath goes nowhere. You know, Zach Wilson, what's the difference between the two? Are they, is it just drafting or is it developing the player? And I think it's player development, which is really extrapolated and really exaggerated at the quarterback position because it's tough to make up for quarterback mistakes. Great answer. I agree hundred percent. Last question before I let you go, the Steelers fan base is definitely concerned about their strong safety position. Obviously Minka Fitzpatrick is probably going to get locked up this off season, but they don't have anyone opposite him. Terrell Edmonds remains a free agent. Tyron Matthew was on their radar at some point this draft class. You happy with the safety class or do you think it's definitely one of the thinner groups? I think it's an okay group, but I will, I'll tell you this, you know, the one thing I talked about player development at the quarterback position the Steelers always find ways to develop safeties, not so much cornerbacks, but safeties. They always yeah. find ways to develop safety. So, you know, a Kirby Joseph in round three, a Dane Belton of Iowa in round four, a JT Woods of Baylor in round four or five. I could see a Tyson Anderson of Toledo in, in the fifth round. I could absolutely see a Quinton Lake. How ironic would that be? UCLA yeah. in the sixth round. I could absolutely see the Steelers taking one of those guys and, those, and developing the, uh, that player the way the Steelers develop safeties and, and that day three pick becoming you know, a linchpin at the safety position for the Steelers for years to come. I think all those guys, I think uh, uh, Lake is a phenomenal football player. He's just not a real good athlete, barely broke four or six uh, in, in the workouts leading up to the uh, draft, uh, draft, the pro day and the uh, combine. Tyson Anderson is a phenomenal athlete who's just got to learn to round out his game. JT Woods, I think, is severely underrated. Dane Belton played a hybrid uh, linebacker uh, safety position at Iowa, an explosive up-the-field safety who's also a good athlete. So I think they can use a pick on day three on that type of player. And if they remain true to what they've done, they'll be able to develop that prospect. With Brian Flores in the mix with a new defensive coordinator and Terrell Austin, it's going to be interesting. Tony, I'll give you a chance to let everyone know how they can find your work, whether it's on Twitter or your website. Go ahead and plug that away if you want. Sure. Uh, Pro Football Network, as you mentioned at the top, uh, we've got tons of stuff. We'll have close to a thousand individual scouting reports. So Steeler fans will not only be able to find scouting reports on the players that the Steelers select during the seven rounds, but all the players that they sign afterwards as priority free agents and undrafted free agents. Uh, we're doing live draft shows Thursday night and Friday night. Obviously, I've got the show every Tuesday night that I do with Trey Wingo. We drop some good information there or try and drop some good information there. So 
A lot of good stuff coming to Pro Football Network. You can always follow me at Twitter at at Tony Pauline. Thank you very much for your time. Great insight. We appreciate it. Thanks for having me. No problem. second part of let's ride i was so happy with that interview i hope you enjoyed it with tony i appreciate him taking the time to being on the podcast you know something i forgot to mention at the beginning of the show there was some housekeeping um some housekeeping news i guess if you want to put it that way for the pittsburgh steelers on tuesday marcus allen signed his one-year restricted free agent tender i believe that's the type of free agent he was as well as the steelers claimed one miles boykin off of waivers he was released by the Baltimore Ravens it was a third round draft pick he went to Notre Dame he was there with Chase Claypool big body guy 6'4 220 add some depth to the wide receiver room and it should also be noted that he is also a good special teams player you can expect to see more about this on behindthesteelcurtain.com in the coming days make sure that is your one-stop shop for all things Pittsburgh Steelers and also because I didn't say it at the beginning of the show wherever you get your podcast doesn't matter where Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Stitcher, Anchor, Pandora, Spotify follow us subscribe so that you get every single show not just my Let's Ride podcast every single show all right Mailbag time. We had a lot of questions from the Ride or Die crew. Put out the question. You all responded in a big way. Let's get right to things. Cheeseball 10. Jeff, while I've always heard of the problems with Justin Lane, a.k.a. Lust and Jane, but always wondered what the issues stem from and the true story behind it. Hashtag Ride or Die crew. So I'm I'm guessing you're asking about Justin Lane not able to play or if you're asking about why we call him Lust and Jane. I'll answer both to the best of my ability. The reason why we call him Lust and Jane was because he came after me. I made a comment, and it wasn't even something malicious during a game, just about how, you know, it was a blown coverage. Justin Lane might have looked – I don't I might have said he might have looked bad. I'm not sure what exactly I said. But I made a comment like that, and he must have searched his name or someone shared the tweet with him, and he direct messaged me and said, you're not a fan or something like that. So whatever, he can believe whatever he wants. But the reason why I don't think he plays that much is based on the fact that his style doesn't really fit what the Steelers like to do. The Steelers are a team that likes to run a lot of zone coverage. He's more of a man coverage guy. He's a special teamer. He's probably only going to be a special teamer. That's just the way it is. He's entering the final year of his contract. I doubt he gets a second one. Hope that answers your question. Heath Davis says, you have you are having to pick a team of players to field against the Steelers in a scrimmage. You can only choose players from fictitious sports movies. Who are a few of your picks and why? Hashtag ride or die crew. Okay, let's start this right. I'm going to go with a healthy Lance Harbor at quarterback from Varsity Blues. I think that is the best way to go, and I'm going to give him his wide receiver threat in um, Tweeter. So I'm, that, those, that's my offense there. Um, on defense, I'm going to go with Remember the Titans. I'll go with uh, the linebacker duo there. Um, not going to go – well, see, it's tough because when you talk about Petey, you're asking do you want to go with the Petey that is a running back that fumbles? No. 
Defensive back that quits on your team? No. Um, I, I, it's tough. I'm definitely going to lean more towards Varsity Blues. Uh, Wendell at running back, that's probably my guy. Let's be honest. Varsity Blues is one of my favorite sports movies of all time. So it's probably why I'm leaning more in that direction. Great question. I love those sports movies. Aiden Blaine says, is it possible that the Steelers have already selected their new GM and he's working side-by-side with Colbert in this year's draft? Hashtag ride or die crew. Well, I'll tell you this, Aiden, if you believe that the Brandon Hunt is that guy, then that's actually happened. Brandon Hunt has been right alongside Kevin Colbert the entire time. He's been at pro days. Now, I'm not suggesting that this is abnormal. I'm not suggesting that Brandon Hunt being alongside Kevin Colbert is somehow some way weird, but it's definitely been noticeable. It's been noticeable from the media. It's been noticeable for those that are there in person. So take that for what it's worth, but I wouldn't be shocked if the Steelers know who they want and if it is someone in-house, then definitely they are working side-by-side with Colbert. Great question. Britsburg Owen, who is now a contributor to the website, and he's also been uh, putting in a segment on bad language, Brian Anthony Davis' podcast, doing a great job. He said, who do you think has a bigger year this year in 2022, Chase Claypool or Deontay Johnson, and why? Britsburg Owen says, I think Chase, because Mitchell Trubisky has more of an arm, and this will benefit Claypool running deep routes. I'm going to go with Claypool as well, not so much because of Trubisky. I think that Trubisky's skill set, like you mentioned, his arm, I'm not necessarily, the the arm strength is there. His deep ball accuracy has been an issue in his career. But I think that Deontay Johnson is not going to be forced the football like he was when Ben Roethlisberger was a quarterback, and that's important. Claypool, maybe they move him around. Uh, It's been well noted, especially by Jeffrey Benedict, that when Claypool was able to play in Deontay Johnson's spot like he did last season, his rookie, I'm sorry, two seasons ago, his rookie season against Philadelphia when he absolutely torched the Eagles. That was a game that Deontay Johnson missed. Keep that in mind. I'm going to take Claypool. I think he has a bounce back season. Haskins QB1 says, hey, Jeff, out of these three players, which one would you start, bench, or cut? Jack Ham, Jack Lambert, and Kevin Green. What the heck, guys? This is tough. These are... Hall of Fame players. So which out of these three players, which one would you start, bench, or cut? So I'm going to, man, this is a tough question. I'm going to cut Kevin Green because he had the shortest tenure with the Steelers. Not that I didn't love Kevin Green. Trust me, I did. But I'm going to cut Kevin Green. If I have to start one, everyone was going to say Lambert. I'm going to go Ham. Ham was a really, really good linebacker, and I'm going to bench Jack Lambert. Don't want to. It's just the criteria that were provided. And another question from Haskins QB, if you don't mind, why do you think the media makes a big deal if a player doesn't show up to a voluntary workout, hashtag ride or die crew? He's probably referring to Deontay Johnson, who is making waves, not waves, he's making news, making headlines, because he supposedly was not at the first day of voluntary workouts, which was on Monday. Here's the thing. Media are going to write about it because every single team, every single player essentially treats these workouts as mandatory, not voluntary. If this were a situation where out of 32 NFL organizations, you had only a handful of players from each organization show up for these, they wouldn't make a big deal out of it. However, it's not the case. You have an already on Tuesday, the first day, real day of the Steelers OTAs, you saw photos of Gunner O., 
You saw James Daniels, new players in the black and gold for the first time. Najee Harris is there working out. TJ Watts there. Alex Highsmith. I could go on with some other players that were photographed walking into the facility. Pat Fryermuth is one of those guys. But here's the thing. If all these players are showing up, then you're thinking, well, why isn't this guy showing up? He's not the only player that's doing it, and I'm not about to suggest that he's doing this in some way, shape, or form as a contract negotiating tactic. Players like Aaron Rodgers have skipped these workouts for years. Uh, There was a time when Ben Roethlisberger didn't come to these workouts very often. So keep that in mind, but media loves to make a story because it is a story, and it's a way for you to click or watch. That's important to them. Heath Davis, two-parter. Everyone used to talk about Tom Brady taking less money so he could have better skilled players in New England. And say what you will about them there, they won a lot. Now you have a precedent with what Watson and Aaron Rodgers as a quarterback has to get paid insane money. Will this eventually lead to a league where franchise quarterbacks never win championships after their rookie deals because the team is spending so much money on them they can't afford a supporting cast? Hashtag ride or die crew. I flipping love this question. And this is a really interesting topic. And you could probably do an entire podcast on this topic. You talk about Tom Brady. Now, I've, I've said this before. Do some digging on the TB12 Foundation. Do some digging on the New England Patriots' connection to the TB12 Foundation or the organization, the TB12 method, whatever. I think there was some money being funneled to Tom Brady. We'll put it that way. But still, he did take less money from a contractual standpoint to sign other players. And it pays dividends. When, when you talk about Russell Wilson and he wants a new deal with Denver, He's going to want top dollar. This is going to be really interesting to see how it plays out. And if any of these players, like you mentioned, Deshaun Watson, Aaron Rodgers, eventually Russell Wilson, when Joe Burrow once paid, if Lamar Jackson gets paid in Baltimore, will they be able to win when they're going to be taking up so much of the salary cap? I think that you have a situation where the players like Tom Brady that are willing to take less to bring in better teammates – They're a dying breed. Everyone wants to get theirs while they can. I don't blame them for doing that. I really don't. But you have to wonder if what you just said is factual. Great point. Great question. Brian Haynes, he asked a couple. He says, what free agent is still out there that you want more than anyone else? Hashtag ride or die crew. I I I have to be honest. Everyone's going to thank Tyron Matthew and, and all this. For me, save some money. Bring in Terrell Edmonds. And let's see him, you know, get Minka Fitzpatrick signed, maybe added a couple other additions. Like you bring in a Miles Boykin, it doesn't cost you really anything. Um, I, th- I think that his pay is around $2.5 million for the year. I- I'd rather see some depth pieces being added than breaking the bank for one guy. Brian also asked, what does the ward, he's talking about Denzel Ward signing, mean for Minka Fitzpatrick? I don't think it means anything. Uh, these players... Look, if you see the way this is going, I said this when Aaron Rodgers signed his contract in the offseason. I said this on this show. I said the guaranteed money that he just received is going to change everything, and it did. Every single signing, I'm talking big, big-name signings, has been bolstered by guaranteed money. That's going to be the new way for NFL players to say, yeah, this is where I am because look at the amount of guaranteed money I received. And I said this before, and I'll say it again. I said it on Twitter for those that follow me. If I'm the Steelers and I approach Minka Fitzpatrick, I'm going to say, look, we're not going to give you a deal that is a bigger number than Jamal Adams. 
He's going to be the the quote-unquote highest paid. We're going to beat him in guaranteed money. So the deal's not going to be more lucrative by a total number, but you're going to get more guaranteed money. That's how you get players interested. That's how you get them to sign on the dotted line, and that's what I think is going to happen. But I don't think the Denzel Ward signing means anything for Minka Fitzpatrick. Jeremy Betts of our fantasy fix and our draft fix with Andrew Wilbar. Make sure you check out that podcast. He says, if you were the Steelers GM, who would you hire to replace you? And then he says, hashtag fire Jeff. He said, no, but seriously, who's your top candidate for the team's new GM? I think it's Brandon Hunt. I really do. The Steelers like to keep things in-house. They like to know exactly what they're getting. They want to trust that things aren't going to change. And what better way to do that than by signing or promoting, I should say, promoting a guy that was been in the system, knows the system, is comfortable with Mike Tomlin, comfortable with Art Rooney II, comfortable with Omar Khan. You get where I'm going with this. That's why I think it's Brandon Hunt. Heath Davis asked another one, does Pittsburgh end up with Baker Mayfield somehow? What is your least favorite move of the Steelers this offseason? Ha- season? Hashtag Ryder Dive Group. No, I don't think they end up with Baker Mayfield. I really hope they don't. I know the need at quarterback is greater now than it was two weeks ago, but I still don't think anyone, and I repeat this, anyone wants to eat that $18 million tab for Baker Mayfield if he's not going to be at least vying for your starting quarterback role. I don't want to see Baker Mayfield in Pittsburgh. Everyone that listens to my podcast knows I don't like Baker Mayfield. I don't think he's a good quarterback. So I would say no. I hope he doesn't end up. I don't think he ends up in Pittsburgh. My least favorite move of the Steelers this offseason, um, I think right now my least favorite move is a move that has not been made yet, and that's at strong safety. I feel like the Steelers have to finally make a move at the position whether it's bringing in Terrell Edmonds, Tyron Matthew, any other safety. I feel like they just got to make a move there. Make a move. Lori asks, what position uh, you do not want Do you not want the Steelers to draft with the number one pick, but there are good chances they will? Hashtag Ryder Dykery. So what position do I not want them to take, but there's a good chance that they will? So I, I really don't want them to take a quarterback. Not in the first round, but I have a feeling that they might. And especially if the board breaks down the way that a lot of people are projecting that it will. Uh, When you listen to Tony Pauline at the beginning of the show, he talked about how quarterbacks have been overdrafted for a really long time. And that's going to continue. But there's going to come a time when teams are going to say, you know what, we're not going to take a Kenny Pickett at number six because he's a quarterback. We need to address other needs, and there's there's better talent at another position of need. So I, I'm, I'm afraid they're going to take a quarterback in round one, but at the same time, I, I'm not sure they will. It all depends on how the board breaks down. Great question. Terry, asks, Terry Bradford asks, seeing as we just hired another quarterback's coach, does that mean there's a good possibility that we draft a quarterback? That's right. I forgot to mention the news outside of Allen and Boykin being signed. Uh, in the, well, the Steelers claiming Boykin off waivers. The Steelers did bring in an assistant quarterbacks coach. Now, I when I first saw this, I'm like everyone else, thought, wow, they're definitely going to draft a quarterback. They have an assistant quarterbacks coach to help mentor this young signal caller. But then Mark Cavalli of The Athletic put out a really good tweet that said, you know, look, listen, let's think about this this way as well, that the National Football League wants to promote minorities and they want to get offensive assistants in there and they want to give them a look and an opportunity 
this could be the Steelers just doing that. You know, that that, that is that is the protocol that the NFL's laid out. The Steelers are definitely following that. Doesn't necessarily mean they're going to take a quarterback in the draft, although I do think they will. MDibs24 asked a couple questions. He said, how many will lose their minds if the Steelers go quarterback round one, not name Willis or Pickett? It's my opinion that fans know prospects ranking and team needs better than scouting and management. I think people will lose their minds if the Steelers draft a quarterback in round one, period. Meaning, if they draft Willis or Pickett or Ritter or Howe or Corral, it doesn't matter. If they draft a quarterback in round one, there will be some fans that say, woohoo, yay. And then there will be some fans that are just furious and fuming and ready to set that facility ablaze. Get your pitchforks, get your torches, let's go storm the facility. I don't know anymore, and I don't have any suggestions as to what they're going to do. No one knows. I don't know. You don't know. No one knows. MDibs asks another one. What is a Wang Chung, and did everybody do it or just John Harbaugh? Uh, John Harbaugh definitely did Wang Chung. He is the ultimate Wang Harbs. And if you know, if you listen to the Steelers preview podcast with myself, Dave Schofield, and Brian Anthony Davis, you know exactly what I'm talking about. Eric asks, who is the surprise Steelers draft pick at 20? Jeff, love the podcast. Thank you, Eric, for the kind words. The surprise Steelers draft pick, I'm going to go with Devontae Wyatt, defensive lineman from Georgia, even though some might say there's other pressing needs. I think that would be a surprise. Not to me and not to many who follow behind the steel curtain, but I think that that would be one that a lot of Steeler fans might be like, who is this guy? Johnny Bravo asked Jeff, I think we'd all like to know your thoughts on Sidney Crosby's career in Pittsburgh. Hashtag ride or die crew. Um, outside of injuries, you know, you dealt with the Sidney Crosby dealt with a concussion. He dealt with the, the broken jaw one year. Um, could you write a better story? I mean, number one overall draft pick. He's given the assistant captain his rookie year. He's 18 years old, playing with Mario Lemieux. Goes on to win three Stanley Cups, potentially more before he's done. All in one city. He's played, I mean, the, this guy does everything right. He is the poster boy for what a professional athlete should be. I, I don't want to go too much into him because this is a Steelers podcast. He is, Sidney Crosby is, is the the perfect superstar on and off the surface. In this case, ice, perfect superstar. If you don't know, just do some research. Trust me, he is. Mark Payne asks, if the Steelers do not draft a quarterback, who do you think they will sign after the draft to fill out the roster? I, you know, that's a great question. I don't know. Uh, I'm, I'm curious. I'll have to look at the I'll have to look at the situation after i'm not sure of the current free agents if i'm being completely honest if i'm being completely honest um all right there you go wow very good very good good questions good questions so listen don't forget to listen to the war room with maddie peverell today wednesday to get your clue the second clue there's going to be two on wednesday thursday and friday you're going to need six numbers i gave you that clue earlier in the show at the beginning if you missed it go back and listen Get that number written down. Do not email me until you have all six numbers together. And then Dave Schofield on Thursday. White Yen's talking about Thursday at noon. And then I'll be back on Friday with you for another episode of Let's Ride. I hope you enjoyed Tony Pauline. I really did. I was really excited to get a guy of his caliber on the program. And hopefully this is just the beginning for the Ride or Die crew. I hope you all get used to some of these conversations because you all deserve it. You all are diehard fans. So, folks, you know how we finished it out here. Be safe, be kind, and God bless. Have a great rest of your day. I will see you on Friday. Go Steelers.